fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. <laughs> well, here we are. Here we are with another day with the media talking about absolute nonsense when some real crisis is happening someplace in our country. The real crisis that everyone refuses to talk about. And we as not conservatives, but as human beings need to talk about what's happening on the border, because this is one of the worst scenes we have seen on our border Possibly in my lifetime. I'll explain in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. Uh, the uh, spring buying season is here. The uh, competition for houses. Uh, if you are getting ready to move or you want to sell your home uh, and you buy a new one, uh, if you are looking because you're smart and you have an adjustable mortgage and you want to lock that into a locked rate and you want to refinance your home, American Financing are the ones that will help you do it. Now, home values are about to explode. Uh, the uh, market seems to be picking up. You need a mortgage payment that is affordable. You need to know somebody's not upselling you into a uh, into a mortgage. Uh, these people will really work with you side by side. They are salaried, so they don't they don't work for the bank. Um, they work for American Financing, which does not take the bonuses from the banks if they jam all these people into a certain loan instrument that they want to sell. They work for you. They're going to get you the right loan, and you can pre-qualify in as little as 10 minutes and close in like two weeks. It's AmericanFinancing.net, AmericanFinancing.net, or call 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, So yesterday I received uh, an op-ed from a friend. Uh, he said, Glenn, would you read this? Uh, we wanted to publish it. So it's up on the blaze now. Uh, our friend uh, is Tim Ballard, who is uh, the, the CEO or chairman, or I don't remember what you are, the CEO of, of uh, the Nazarene Fund. And also, are you the CEO of, of uh, Operation Underground Railroad? And of McDonald's. And of McDonald's. Yeah, which is and impressive. Because you're very busy. Very yeah. busy, very yes. Busy. Yeah. Um, and a handsome man joining us <laughs> joining us right away. I, I want to go through the, the article. The, the first two paragraphs are stunning for entirely different reasons. But let me just read the first two paragraphs. A couple of weeks ago, I was called to testify before a subcommittee of the House Homeland Security Committee. As former Homeland Security Special Agent Undercover Operator, I worked child trafficking cases for over a decade along the southern border. I was there to testify about the sex trafficking threat that awaits vulnerable migrant children being brought into the United States. Shortly after I began my testimony, the chairwoman of the committee, politely but firmly, let me know that my testimony was irrelevant for this particular hearing, as this hearing was about the U.S. government's policy of separating undocumented families on the borders and not about child trafficking. As it is against hearing procedure for a witness to provide unsolicited comments to the members of the committee, I had to sit there in silence, yet with full knowledge that the chairwoman was wrong. Yep. Tim, how frustrating is that? Oh, it's, it's killing me because it's 
these trafficking events are happening in so many places, and we're trying to wake the nations of the world up uh, to the fact that it is happening. Children are being abused. It's the fastest growing criminal enterprise on the planet. And yet when it's right before us, and I'm there before the people who can change it, and I'm told, shut up, shut up. We, we don't want to talk about that right now. Tell me the, 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 the numbers are staggering on what's happening on our border. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the amount of people, just the people coming across, record-breaking, undocumented migrants coming across into the United States. But the, the part that's not being reported, because in the, in the 90s and in the, in the 2000s, it was adult males looking for work, crossing the border. Not anymore. These are children. They're bringing children are coming across by the thousands. There's been over a 300% increase since 2017 alone. And children being brought across the border who don't belong <laughs> to the adult who has them. So we said <laughs> when when Congress was saying we can't hold children, I immediately got on the air and said that is the worst thing that could happen. That's the worst thing that could happen because grab a child and you're good. The child is now the get out of jail free card for smugglers, for traffickers. They're, they're surrendering themselves and say, look, I have a child in my hand. A passport in my hand. Uh, let me in. And, and, and the guys on the border, they're great. They understand. And they're like, help us. They're screaming to Congress. I sat in hearings with the CBP commissioner who's saying, help us. You are forcing us to turn these children over to whoever comes to get them. We only have 20 days. The courts have backed it up. And we have 20 days to vet people coming in saying, hello, I'm uncle, like I, I wrote in the hot bed. Hello, I'm Uncle George. Little Isabel, six-year-old that you have in custody, is my niece. They have to give the child to Uncle George. They have no time to vet these kids. You know, in contrast, you know, I adopted two children yes. recently from Haiti. Mm -hmm. It was over one year of them vetting me. I've had three, you know, top secret clearances in my lifetime. I'm the one who liberated those children in the first place. And yet I happily submitted myself and my and my wife and my family to an investigation to make sure we were well suited to, to to take care of children a year and 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 congress is giving our customs and border officials 20 days or less to vet whoever shows up for these children oh sure they they, they have to sign a, a document right that says i will not hurt this child uh i will not traffic this child like you're checking out a library book. Hmm. And and then it says, a court date, you must bring this child back for either a deportation or asylum hearing on this date. 66% no, no, no. of those kids never are brought back for court. They're gone. All right. So there are two scenarios that are happening with the kids. Yes. One is they are just used and passed back and forth on the border. Yes. Right? Yes. They're kind of a mule, if you will. Mm -hmm. Is that the right word? Right. Well, they're, I say they're, they're recycled. They're, they're the get-out-of-jail-free card, basically. Right. And that's the best case, and it's abhorrent. The, the children are being used as long as you have these kids. And by the way, where are these kids coming from? They're being kidnapped in Central America. The separation of families isn't happening necessarily at the border. It's happening well before they get to the border. And that's the, that's the thing we not, we're not seeing as a nation. And so these kids are basically, the, the smugglers control all the routes, first of all. You can't get in the country unless you go through a smuggler. So they just have to get these children. It's not too hard to kidnap children in Guatemala or Honduras or Central America. And they take these kids and they pair them with their clients. Their clients being the people who want to be smuggled in. And say, take this child, pretend this child is your, uh, your child, and guys, 20 days or less, you're out. Because they have to let you out because the law of the United States, backed by recent court decisions, 
forces CBP officials to release you within 20 days if you have this child in your hand. That's the best case for these children who are being used this way. And of course, the worst case is the smugglers say, and we have the, the New York Times even uh, about a month ago had, had a story, several stories about how smugglers take these clients and decide, geez, I can make a lot more money with them if I just sell them for sex. Or they use them, they, they, they rape them and get their money out of them for, the, for, the, for what they, they're owed for the smuggling fee. Um, and so it's very easy to imagine a, a criminal organization that are smuggling people and they say, let's sex traffic them. We can make more money. The U.S., we are the demand. We are the top demand for child sex in the world. That is crazy. So, so now we've set things up and, and all using our laws, right? So now if you can imagine this, all, all a trafficker needs to do if you get into their mind is say, look, I got to take this child as long as I can get this child across. And they'll, I mean, I saw a video, I don't know if you saw this video a few months ago of they're dropping the kids over the wall, mm-hmm. over the fence, just dropping them. And then, and then they mm-hmm. know, you know, Border Patrol will come get them and get them into safety. Well, then they just call their, their friends up in the traffickers, their friends in New York, Phoenix, wherever. Hey, go to the, go to the McAllen Processing Center, ask for Isabel Gomez. She's six years old. I just dropped her over the fence. And so Uncle George shows up. Hey, I'm Uncle George. I, I got to pick up my, my niece. They have to give the kid over. It is, it, it is absolutely insane. And, and I couldn't get a word in edgewise when I was called <laughs> to testify on that very subject. So now here's the, here's the interesting part. 1,700 children in the last, um, in the last 12 months. Yep. 1,700 children have had the guts to say, that's not my uncle. That's not my dad. 1,700 That's right. documented cases in the last 12 months. How many kids are not brave enough to say that? How many kids have been told your family's in danger, your family's dead, whatever it is? Uh, how many children have the guts and the wherewithal to see a guy, an American with a badge, and say, help me? How many? There have been 1,700 in the last 12 months, and that number is only growing. Oh, absolutely, and, and, the, and the amount of people coming across, hundreds of thousands. This, just this year, I think we're close to half a million. So, you know, there, there, how many kids are, are here and, and in, and they're, and they're in our sex markets, and we, we rescue them, and you've met, you've met some of our mm-hmm. survivors, Glenn, that we, that, the, who, are, who came in as undocumented migrant children and were raped, and this is not an exaggeration, over 20,000 times before we finally pulled them out of New York City or L.A. or wherever they're being held. I mean, this is a massive sex market. Again, the fastest-growing criminal enterprise on the planet is human trafficking, and the United States is the number one demand for child sex so it's happening in our cities right here and the traffickers are laughing all the way because our laws are it actually facilitating it, the trafficking yeah, event we've made it so much easier yeah we've made it we've made it we've made it easy to come in yes but there are solutions okay i'm going to take one minute yeah. and these are the things you need to ask uh your senator and congressman and the president to do and they're really quite simple uh, first, let me tell you, our sponsor is LifeLock, cybersecurity risk assessment company reported that hundreds of millions of social media giants, uh, users records, hundreds of millions. How many people are in the United States? Oh, yeah, that's right. Hundreds, hundreds of, of millions. millions. Yeah, there's one there that was 763 million and they were all freaked out about it. And then they updated it to two billion, two billion 
accounts yeah. Were, yeah. were breached. So don't worry about it. I'm sure your name isn't part of it. No, it's probably the other four billion people. Yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, you, you have passwords, uh, you, your social security number, your address, your name, everything is probably somewhere on the dark web. You need somebody that is actually looking to protect your information. Now, when they find something, they have they have people here in the country that work to fix it for you, which it's impossible. If you don't know what you're doing, it's impossible. And the last thing you need is something else to worry about. Let LifeLock do this. LifeLock.com. Use the promo code Beck and save 10% on your membership. It's LifeLock.com. Promo code B-E-C-K. It's LifeLock.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. All right, so uh, Tim Ballard is uh, with us from Operation Underground Railroad and the Nazarene Fund, and we're talking about the border and this this absolute epidemic. I have I have um, Arthur Brooks coming in in a minute, and Arthur is from the American Enterprise Institute, and this guy has a heart of gold and knows how to frame things to speak to people's hearts. Uh, and I want to ask him uh, about this because we're not framing the border in any way to connect with people's hearts at all. And what's happening is just overwhelmingly evil, just overwhelmingly evil. You you went to Congress prepared to give them two solutions. They didn't want to hear it. That's right. So you never were allowed to even present these. I, I was not allowed to. No. No. <sighs> I remember the first time you told me what you really did. You were undercover. And the thing you said is, I can't do it anymore because we have solutions and our government ties our hands. Can't do them. So what are the two solutions on this? Well, you know, there's, there, there needs to be many, many, many solutions. The, the problem is so vast. So I would just want to take baby steps. Yeah. It's things we can do immediately. Right. Immediately. Again, this is not... a. This is not a, a, a catch-all. It's not going to re- resolve everything. But first of all, we have to have a vetting process in place. I don't know what that looks like, but I would call on on the good people on both sides of the aisle to come together, drop the politics. It's so political. I'm so tired of it. Like, can 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 children transcend politics? I think, I hope, yes. I hope that's the, the one thing that I hope, you know. <laughs> I'm not really seeing it quite yet. Uh, yeah. But can we just drop everything else and, and not say Trump or Republican or Democrat, just say children. Children, how do we save, hurt, help these children right now? There has to be a vetting process. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we, you know, if we found an abandoned child in New York City, there would be, an, there would be a vetting process in place to make sure that if someone shows up to be mom and dad, there's going to be a process in place. Why wouldn't we grant that same process to a migrant child who's completely innocent and scared to death, and we just want to get them home to their families? Uh, again, it's right now it's a library book checkout system. It's just signed for the kid. It's horrible. You know, and so a vetting process has to be put in place. There should be uh, an investigation, uh, judicial identity hearings where a judge can weigh in. This is what we would do in, in, uh, with an abandoned child in New York City who's a U.S. citizen. Make sure that this the person claiming to be mom and dad or uncle or aunt is, in fact, that thing. You can do a DNA test. DNA testing, yes. Yeah. Two I'm, hours. I'm working with a company. It's, it's cutting-edge technology. We're using the technology in Haiti right now to uh, bring children back to their parents who are, who are lost. 
two hours. It's, it's rapid DNA technology, and we can determine whether they're related that quickly. Get that deployed at our borders right now. Right now, there's no excuse. Right now. Um, and then the other solution, which can also happen right now, is let's temporary duty, TDY, judges, immigration judges, asylum judges, put those courts into our U.S. embassies, particularly in Central America where where the floods are coming, the caravans are coming out. And because there's legitimate asylum seekers. And for them, we're forcing them really to, to drag their families and their children thousands of miles to see a judge through dangerous mm-hmm. country, through, you know, a precarious border Causing towns. chaos in everyone's life. Right. Just put it. Put immigration asylum courts in our embassies. Let them come there. Now, someone's going to say, oh, well, you know, they're in danger. Well, if there is a credible threat, there's something we could do to, to help protect them in those cases. Uh, but the most important thing it does is it takes the incentive out of the traffickers because now the trafficker shows up with the kid who's not their kid and the immigration official, the customs official says, I'm sorry, you need to go to your country and see the judge. No more 20 day loophole. And so guess what? They're not going to go to the judge because they don't have a legitimate claim and they're going to give up the scheme. They're going to stop taking kids and using them as pawns or worse as sex slaves. So these are things that, Glenn, we could do now. It doesn't take a whole lot of, of time to, to send to create these immigration. You just need a room and a judge, you know, and start building this up. Didn't Mike Lee and Ted Cruz also, weren't they? weren't they working together to try to come up with uh, a way to put a whole bunch of judges down on the border to be able to i mean this is this seems to me to be a better system um but we we can do these things and no one is talking about it they tried to do that i think about a year ago nobody was willing to even talk about it that's right well it's funny bring up senator lee i was with him actually and giving this very proposal after i got on my hearing where i couldn't talk i went to his office and mike helped me <laughs> they won't listen to me he's like well, i'll listen to you what do, what do you need and so we're we're now moving forward on the on the senate side to get this bill passed to make these things happen immediately so so senator lee is is definitely engaged is this the first time that this has happened to you in congress where they just were not interested that it was a a show trial um no, the other time I, I, I was I was testifying before the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee, and and Lindsey Graham was the chair, and he let me he let me say what I needed to say. Um, uh, but you know, this time it was it, it was clearly a political thing. I, I could tell. Um, uh, you know, I've I've talked. I've been I've been open about the fact that barriers and 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 and, and walls. We're not supposed to say that word, but barriers of any kind clearly forced traffic to ports of entry and my again my number one uh concern are children i know how many children are smuggled traffic through wallless barrierless parts of the border so let's force the traffickers to go to where police are to where customs officials are and they they're trained to look for children it's a very simple concept and yet that was glenn this is so and i, and I briefed the president on the same concept we lost one thousand donors can you believe this one thousand people who used to help us rescue children stopped become it like gave up because i sat with the commander-in-chief of the united states and by the way i would have given the same briefing to president obama i worked under bush 43 nothing's ever changed we've everyone's always believed that barriers control traffic and help rescue children because it forces the children and the traffickers into the places where they can be rescued it's very it's two plus two equals four and yet i go and give that testimony to the current president of the united states and i lose 1,000 donors overnight 
because I and, I and I thought to myself, is that where we're at, where we hate one person more than we love rescuing children? Uh, it's it's very discouraging. Uh, you know, maybe we can gain a, a thousand more today, right now. Yeah, I was going to say, we, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't pledged to help uh, uh, ourrescue dot org, uh, Operation Underground Railroad, please, please do this. Really, that 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 number really saddens me as well. You and I both believe that the one thing America can come together on is slavery is bad, yeah. smuggling children, smuggling humans, bad, right. You know, kidnapping children, bad. And it's the one thing that we have seen over and over again that even the people who are the furthest apart can come together. Absolutely. And it's not political for me at all. No. At all, at all. I, no, like not. I said, I would give the same testimony to anyone who called me. Yeah. I don't care from what party. It doesn't matter. It's, yeah. it's simple solutions to rescue children. And I know, I know they work. They're, they will obviously work. This is all I've been doing my entire life on that southern border. So I am an expert, not in a lot of things, but in this, I'm an expert. I know what will rescue children at the southern border, and I'll tell anyone who will listen. And too many people are politicizing it. Join us at OurRescue.org. OurRescue.org. Tim, as always, good to have you. Thank Thank you so much. You can read his, and please share it. Read his op-ed on TheBlaze.com. Read it and share it with everyone you know, please. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Hey, think Friday is the day they're giving away this gun, is it not? They're giving away uh, 19 guns. It's uh, the USCCA, the United States uh, Concealed Carry Association. They're giving 19 guns away. It's a, let's see if you know. It's the, uh, let me get get up to the, um, okay, here it is. Uh, It's a high-tech polymer frame, makes it lightweight and comfortable to conceal. It's highly customizable, renowned for being durable, rugged, reliable, even in the most extreme environments. And it's 15 plus one round capacity puts this gun uh, will never leave you high and dry at the range or in self-defense. What gun is it, do you think? Mm. Tim Ballard. Hmm. Is that a Glock or is that a SIG? I'm going to go with Glock. Glock? Super Soaker. (laughs) Okay. Good. <laughs> uh, and that's the polymer frame, right? Clocks have polymer. Is polymer? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, just text uh, Beck to eight seven two 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 eight seven two two two. Text the word Beck. You will uh, find out what kind of gun it is, and you'll be instantly registered to win one of these nineteen guns they're giving away this Friday. So do it now. Text the word Beck to eight seven two two two. Coming up, one of our favorite people, uh, outgoing president of American Enterprise Institute, Arthur Brooks, joins us in studio. That's coming up next here at the Glenn Beck Program. We are thrilled to have Arthur Brooks, president of the American Enterprise Institute, at least for a little while longer. He's uh, he's leaving the uh, organization that he started, and he's going to become a professor at Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the program. Thank you, Glenn. Great to see you. Good to see you. So we yeah. have to start with uh, a very long time lie we've been living. Uh, what is it? Okay, Stu and I both have a very difficult time, and we just, for our friendship's sake, we want this out. <laughs> okay, let's okay? get it out there. Let's get this fixed. Yeah, we both have the worst time. We call you Albert Brooks. Yeah. all the time. This has yeah, to and be. We hate it. A nightmare of your life. Yeah, so two years ago, I was at sort of a camp thing for lots and lots of guys, and we were all hanging around, and, and, and I looked toward my left around a campfire, and there was sitting Albert Brooks, <laughs> you know, the film director, the comedian. <laughs> yeah. 
And, 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 and I looked at him and I said, you're Albert Brooks. And he said, what's your name? I said, my name is Arthur Brooks. And he said, no. I said, yeah. And you know what else? People have been calling me Albert Brooks since I was a kid. He's like 10 years older now. He said, since I was a kid, because you're so famous. And he looks at me, he doesn't crack a smile. And he says, imagine how Adam Hitler felt. <laughs> so if we call you Albert, it's, it's all good. just it's, it's all good. Just, you know, I've been we, I've been here my whole life. It's better than good. calling you every, Adam Hitler. Right? Yeah, I'll say that. <laughs> every time we talk to you, we look at each other like Arthur, Arthur, Arthur. I know, Arthur, I know. Arthur, Arthur. Oh, it's terrible. I don't you know, even people, like I mean, yeah, Albert Brooks. Fine though. Oh, Albert I think Brooks he's is funny. fine. He's funny, but yeah. like, I it's not like I'm a huge fan of his movies. I don't know yeah, why. It's, it's something like real name. No, Albert Einstein is his real name. Shut up. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding you. It's Albert Einstein. Well, you're kidding or you're not kidding? I'm not kidding. I oh. promise I'm not kidding. And hmm. what happened is he changed it to Albert Brooks because he, you're not going to go into show business <laughs> named Albert Einstein. <laughs> you should change your name to Albert Einstein. I should change my name to Arthur Einstein. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and people will still call me Albert. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Arthur, you have a new documentary out, and I have seen it, and it is really good. Really good. Thank you, You Glenn. are... You know, um, we were talking the other day about uh, Buddha Judge, and he is the the he's playing it the nice guy. Right. He may be a nice guy. I don't know anything about him other than, you know, what you read about. Um, and he seems like a really nice, normal guy, a guy who comes out and says, yeah, I'm gay. And you know what? I also eat Chick-fil-A and I like it. Right. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's a guy who's coming out now and saying, you know, I, I'm I, I don't hate everybody that right. you're supposed to hate. Right. That's fighting fire with water. Right. And that usually works. It generally does, particularly after a period of, of hate and polarization. The, the reason that that actually can work right now is because 93 percent of Americans say they hate how divided we become as a country. Mm-hmm. And every single person listening to us right now loves somebody with whom they disagree politically. But there's a class that's getting rich and powerful and famous, largely in politics and in media and on campuses, saying you got to hate people who you disagree with, that they're deviant, they're stupid and they're evil. And in our hearts, we know that's wrong. You know, in this movie you talked about, in The Pursuit, in this movie, you know, we sit down with people who call themselves democratic socialists. They're awesome people. They're great people. They, they love their fellow men and women. I have different policy ideas. I think I have better ways to get at their objectives, but their objectives aren't wrong. And most people know that. And so Pete Buttigieg and a few other people are, are actually going to, are, 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 they're, they're trying to, to rage against the contempt machine in this country by saying, you want something better. The product is crummy. I'm going to give it to you. Will it win? We'll see. Will it even get past the people who are making an awful lot of money on the, con- the outrage industrial yeah. complex yeah yeah we don't know um here's a here's a clip of the pursuit i don't claim to have all the answers but the answers that i've found have truly changed my life arthur brooks sir thank you mr president it's an honor to be here and with all of you poverty is the thing i care about the most I think that the suspicion that people have about capitalism comes because they think people like me don't believe in morals and they don't believe in any regulation at all. That's not true. Here's the great irony of our times. People in the wealthiest countries in the world are increasingly turning against the very system that's lifted us out of poverty. If India had not adopted economic reforms, there would be 375 million poor people more in the country today. Whatever 
whatever we got to do to get the American dream honestly, then that's what we're going to do, you know? The American dream is always predicated on you work hard, you get the right grade, you go to the right schools, and a lot of time, it doesn't work that way. The real poverty exists when a young man or a young woman grows up with no dream. That's poverty, man. You know, coal goes away. What are we going to do? They didn't think about that. They didn't expect it. They didn't expect it. Two billion people have been pulled out of starvation-level poverty. What did that? Everyone want happy life. Do not want suffering. You are showing genuine interest, not only money matter, but more wider perspective. I really very much appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Your Holiness. of the American experience is a moral consensus that our society should push opportunity to the people who need it the most. Here's here's why Arthur Brooks is even more talented than Albert Brooks. <laughs> Albert's listening. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he, um, uh, uh, he, if you watch that, you are the only person that believes in the free market that I have seen that understands heart and imagery you're not there with the pope you're there with the dalai lama you're you are you're on stage with a french horn and it says in the trailer a musician that is not a guy next to a tractor and you are able to break through the uh, to the other side you there's images of you with um, briefing uh, President Obama. Right. You are able to get in uh, to places that most conservatives or most constitutionalist and, and, and strict libertarian, real, you know, liberals, classic liberals, can't go nor care to go. Um, and you have all of the imagery that you need to be able to break the the divide. Yeah, that's the idea, and and that's why how how a movie can really change people's conversations in a big way. You know, w- one of the things I was trying to do in this film, and what I've been trying to do with my career, by the way, is to get to the places where cons- traditional conservatives don't get to go, and, and have the conversations they don't typically have. Why? Not just because I'm going to convince people on the other side, because I want people who are persuadable, who are watching the conversation, to say, huh. You know, there. I, I saw a guy who's got free market views, who believes in, in 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 conservative ideas. Why? Because he wants to lift people up from the margins, and he was having a conversation with with iconic figures from the other side, and no horns, no anger, no mm-hmm. no vitriol, no contempt, no hatred, no disrespect. And you know, that's really what people want. And and if we want to win the country for a better set of ideas, so that we can have more solidarity and brotherhood and happiness and love in this country. We need to go where we're not invited. We need to say the things that people have not heard before. We need to share with everybody is the bottom line. And that's what puts joy in our hearts. Glenn, you've been, you've been trying to do this too. You know, you, you, you want to talk to everybody. I mean, when, when I look at, you know, the, what, what the charity is doing. I mean, I saw the, I saw the trailer for your charity mm. yesterday at the Dallas Film Festival where the, oh. where the pursuit was. And it's, it blew my mind. I mean, there's no way that somebody's going to say, oh, it's Glenn Beck, the conservative guy. They would say, this is an organization dedicated to ending slavery around the world, to lifting people up. It has no ideology about it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that's the point, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We want the best for everybody. Mm-hmm. Conservatives lose arguments because 
because they go in with guns blazing saying, here's what I'm against. And if you disagree with me, you're stupid and evil. And here's the problem. I said this to Stu yesterday. Um, who was it? What was the candidate that said, uh, I think it was Beto, that Americans are against the uh, conservative and Republican agenda? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I really don't even know what that is. Uh, it's not that they're not for it. I don't think they know what it is. Yeah. You know, we're against an awful lot of stuff. But who's out there talking about, you know, I, I watch your documentary. I've always thought of, uh, please forgive uh-huh. my ignorance. I was a, <laughs> I was a dummy up until I hit 30. I did no nothing. I was, hey, I was a musician. I was worse than that. No, you at least, <laughs> you at least could play a horn. Uh, so, uh uh, but I've always thought of India as a capitalist system. Hmm. And, you know, watching your documentary and I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, no, it wasn't. It was the furthest thing from a capitalist free market system. It was a Soviet planned economy until the, until the early 1990s. Amazing. That's incredible. And since they've abandoned that, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've seen a massive change. It has one of the highest growth rates in the world. You know, you go to India. Growth rates in? In the world. And the great growth rates and economic growth rates in the world. Thank you. Incredible when you go there. You find that 375 million Indians have been pulled out of abject starvation level poverty. And they're among the 2 billion that have been pulled out of poverty because of the free enterprise system. Because the American system of globalization, free trade, property rights, all this stuff that we take for granted. The culture of upward mobility. And the culture of now making something yourself doing some starting something small and now with the tools of the internet being able to sell it anywhere in the world yeah. uh, i was struck in the uh, documentary of of uh, of it it almost felt like new york must have felt in 1900 yeah that's the point and it's a point that i make in the film because if you look at the footage of of of, of new york you say the you know the garment industry for example mm-hmm. the, the you know lower east side of manhattan in 1910 it looks just like slums in india do today mm-hmm. and people are, are in industry the truth is that people live a lot better in this in slums in india than they did in, in new york in 1910 because they have health care and their kids go to yeah. school and they have a lot of possibilities but it looks the same and what that brings home to me and it's controversial to say but i honestly believe that is that those people living in slums or in in india they're us separated by time and 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 if we can't if we can't look at these people around the world and 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 see our ourselves in them what's wrong with us look you know the becks were scratching out potatoes in ireland a few generations ago and look at you they were ambitious riffraff that's america Mm -hmm. and that's what what moves me and that's what we need to spread and change the world with are these ideals hans rosling makes this point in factfulness which is his first time i ever thought of it the way you just described it is it's really a time issue it's it's not us and them. It's not first world and third world. These are countries that are coming along at a lot of times accelerated paces than than what more accelerated paces than what we did. But they are just a little bit behind. All these things are happening. All right. these incredible improvements in the in the places that have implemented some basic form of a free market. Right. They're seeing those same things, and that's that's a that's a glorious miracle. Yeah, you must have capitalism. And since capitalism has started to spread around the world, and capitalism gets a bad name because it sort of means everything and nothing. But what we're talking about is the free enterprise system bounded with appropriate regulation and basic human morality has has alleviated 80 percent of starvation level poverty since I was a kid. 
Most seventy percent of Americans think that hunger's gotten worse. It's gotten better, eighty percent better. I mean, it's it's the greatest humanitarian achievement in the history of the human race, and it's happened since Glenn Beck and Arthur Brooks were kids. Hmm. We got to spread that from the rooftops, and the reason is not just to be not just to cry victory. It's because we need the next two billion of our brothers and sisters. They're out there, and they need us. And charity, it's good. Maybe it'll get us to heaven, but you got to have a system that works while you sleep. And we've found it, and we can spread it, and we got to fight for it. Not because it's good for business, not because it makes us rich, but because that's what will alleviate suffering, will help us to serve others, which we need, and which will allow everybody to earn the success, which is the expression of the radical equality of human dignity, which is what we really believe in. Back in just a second with uh, the brother of... uh Albert Brooks, Arthur Brooks, <laughs> from the American Free Enterprise uh, System and soon to be a professor at Harvard, which I don't know how he's doing it. We'll talk some more here in just a second. First, let me tell you about Mercury Real Estate. Mercury Real Estate is a company that I started that uh, was born out of frustration. There's got to be a better way. How do I hire the right real estate person to sell my stupid house? Because it's always like, oh, I got a friend. No, I know somebody or Whatever. Can, is, there, is there a way to vet people that we know that they are the best in the area? Yeah, there is. I started working with the 500 uh, best real estate agents in the, uh, in the country, according to the Wall Street Journal. And I started just talking to them and, and learning you know, for myself, because I'm in radio. I sell my house like every two years my whole life. Uh, how, do I, how do I find a good real estate agent? Well, they helped us figure it out, and we've put that system together, so now it will help you find the right real estate agent in your area. This, this, is, not a, um, this is not a real estate company. This is a, more of a matchmaking service. Find the right real estate person that's going to help you find your next house or sell your house for the most amount of money and as fast as possible. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now, realestateagentsitrust.com. Arthur Brooks is uh, with us. Why are you going? Why are you going away from the American Enterprise? Why are you going to Harvard? <laughs> you know, I've been running AEI for ten years. When I came in, AEI was started in nineteen thirty-eight. It's a really old organization. In the past ten years, we had phenomenal growth. We've hired tons of people. We've had a big impact, and we've stayed in the world of ideas as opposed to be getting dragged into politics. Mm-hmm. I did what I said I was going to do. Um, sort of operationally and I promised them 10 years and I know when you stay much more than 10 years in a place like AEI as president of a think tank it's not the best things don't happen part, mm-hmm. part of it is because you start losing energy and it's it, so it's and also you get too identified with one person so I say you know I prayed about it for a long time you know I prayed for discernment what am I supposed to do next and uh, and, and I, I was an academic before I taught at Syracuse for a long time and I, I resigned my position with no net and I about I heard from about 10 universities some other things too you know to and, and a university is a really good thing because it provides an opportunity to do a tremendous amount of creative work and the, the really incredible thing from Harvard is that Harvard called and said we want you to come teach here and I said why and they said because you think differently and we want to shake things up Hmm. And I said, that, and wow, I said, that's good. For sure, it's great. It's great. Is it going to be? Is there going to be resistance to my ideas? I hope so, because mm. that's the opportunity. You know, that's it. The, when you're in the mission field, when you're in the mission field, you don't want to go where everybody's already converted. Exactly right, <laughs> and and they're not uh, in the university. <laughs> and it's system. a great university. All right, back in just a second uh, with more from uh, Arthur Brooks, and I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, what's coming in America and what each of us should do. Uh, I've got a tough question for Arthur Brooks. Oh, I have one too. 
Yeah, do you? Can I ask one too? Yeah. Do you mind? I, okay. I love on. the tough questions. Oh, good. <laughs> questions. All right, we're going to come up with that in, in just a second. We have uh, Relief Factor as our sponsor here. 100% drug-free, which is why I never thought it would work for me. I mean, we've advertised. I've never advertised for it, but we, it's been an advertiser for The Blaze for I don't know how many years. And I never took it until my wife. I was just so riddled with pain. I just couldn't do it anymore. And she's like, would you just try this? Just try it. What do you have to lose? And I'm like, nothing, because I got nothing left. Uh, started taking it over a year ago, three times a day. And I'm telling you, it has changed the quality of my life. I still have pain, but it was constant nonstop. And what it does, it's all natural. It reduces the inflammation in your body, which is the cause of a lot of pain. 70 people who, 70% of the people who try it, try the quick start, which is a three week trial period, go on to order more month after month after month. I am one of those people. If you want a drug free and natural way to ease your pain, try Relief Factor. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800 583 It's relieffactor.com. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Camera. Welcome to the uh, program. Today, we may have a guy who has an answer on how to begin to fix our country and back away from the ledge. Arthur Brooks joins us in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, with so much uh, hate and em- uh, and uh, enmity between us and people saying, it's not your stuff, it's my stuff, smash and grab, all the things that are going on in the world, man, you got so much to worry about. Don't worry about your safety and your home safety. Uh, studies show that there's only, what is it, Stu? 16%. 16, yeah, 16% of the American population has a security system that's a stunning statistic to me Uh, that's amazing now maybe it's because i grew up in a small town called mount vernon washington i think we went on vacation and we never locked our house you know we do i mean i lived in one of those communities where key who got a key i never remember anybody in my family fumbling around for the key to open the door yeah culturally it's i mean because i I have a relative who did never lock their doors at their house had their house robbed and still didn't lock their doors after that. Didn't put in a, in a in, uh, uh, system after that, which is kind of an incredible thing. You'd think if your house is actually robbed, you'd probably yeah, put it in a system. Like the odds that I'm going to be robbed twice. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, simply say. know now that you don't lock your doors, the odds are better. <laughs> right. So 16% of the people have a security system. This is why when burglars come, they usually come during the day. They don't want to meet you and you don't want to meet them. They usually come during the day. They look in, they see if you have a security system and if it's on, if it's on and you have one, they just go to the, the next house. 80% of burglars just move on to the next house. Get a security system. This one does not have any contracts. There's, there's, you own the system, so it's not a roped in it, you know, forever kind of thing. It is brand new, state of the art technology. It's the best stuff. It's all wireless. It's almost invisible in your home. It takes you about 30 minutes to install it. There's no screws or anything else. This is really, I've done it. It's really, really simple. Simply safebeck.com. No contracts. The monitoring is $14.99 a month if you want it. You can have it one month and just call them up and say, I don't want it next month. No contracts. Simply safebeck.com. Go there now. Simply safebeck.com. 
So Arthur Brooks, he is the uh, president of the American Enterprise Institute. He is uh, also leaving there to become a professor at Harvard. God bless you, man. Uh, and he is a producer of a new uh, documentary called The Pursuit, and it's all about the free market system. It is something that everyone should be watching, uh, and especially if you have people who are you know, democratic socialist or socialist or your kids in college, they should watch this. It has the heart that the free market system should have when we're selling it. It's not all facts and, and uh, statistics. It has a lot in. Um, uh, however, it is really more about lifting people up from poverty. And it comes out in a few weeks, right? Yeah, it does. Well, it's, it's in, it? in showings all over the country right now. So it's in, in screenings in about 100 communities. We're in three international film festivals, and it'll be on digital platforms starting this summer, and, and it'll be on Netflix uh, starting in August. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's going to be really great. Yeah, I'm so really happy great. about that. I mean, like my, my whole career has been dedicated to, to trying to lift people up toward equal dignity and the limitless potential that people actually have. The free enterprise system exists, and the reason we should fight for it is only because of that. You know, it's not for us. You know, it's not for for Stu and Glenn and Arthur because we're, we're very lucky people. We're prosperous people, and and the truth is, we could prosper under a system of socialism. I don't want to. It wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be right. But we could. Who ne- who needs capitalism? Who needs free enterprise? The people who are still at the periphery of our society. We got to fight for them. The next two billion people, they need us. And what I talk about in this film is how you you know with with proper regulation, obviously with morals, because you, you can't have markets without morals. If you do, they'll be ruined. They'll ruin everything. And if you have these things, then you can be a force for goodness in the world and, and showing that, bringing people together, listening to everybody. What a joy it was to make this picture. So, um, Arthur, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Um, we are sitting in a really interesting time. As you know, that I was not for Donald Trump, mm-hmm. um, to put it mildly, um, in the last election. Sure. Yeah, you were very vocal about that. Uh, I have... I've watched him and I still have the same concerns that I've always had on many fronts. On other fronts, he has done what he said he would do or more, for instance, on Israel. It's been crazy. Mm. He's also done things that I, you know, thought he would do and, and frighten me like the, uh, the trade barriers right. that we have. Um, when it comes to this next election, if I am faced with one of these social Democrats or one of these people that are even dancing around the edges of saying, you know, yeah, well, we got to get rid of the free market system, you know, eventually. Right. I mean, I, I know who I'm going to vote for. Um, how do we square this with um, with what we're facing? Because what we're facing is the end of the West and America as we know it. Yeah. You know, we've had threatened threats from socialism forever in this country. It, it always comes back. And Not the like is, this one. I mean, I've, it, it may be in the 1930s. Yeah. In the um, 1930s, but after every financial crisis, it comes back. Yes. And so if you see in the, after the 1890s, there were two financial crises that were just hardcore mm-hmm. in 1892 and 1896. There was a mm-hmm. silver bust and there was a railroad bust. Just as bad as what we saw in 2008. Worse, as a matter of fact. And you got William Jennings Bryan, who was this left-wing sure, sure. populist who also was anti-immigration, anti-trade, and all the stuff that we don't like of populism, both right and left. Mm -hmm. This always comes around, and this is always our opportunity. For those of us who believe in the promises of democratic capitalism to lift up the world, you got to look at these times and you say, 
this is an opportunity. Look, you're the quintessential entrepreneur, Glenn, not just in media, in a bunch of businesses, because you believe that when you look around and you say something's not right, that's an opportunity to build something good and true. Mm-hmm. So if we look at the idea economy today, and we say all of these people, all these young people say that capitalism is a sham, that socialism is a better is a better system. You've got people running for president. You have leaders in Congress who are espousing democratic socialism. That's our opportunity because that's when the conversation is ripe. So I look at this and I say, man, I am so lucky to be alive right now. I'm releasing a movie on, on, on major digital platforms that talks about how, how capitalism is a, is a beautiful system for helping the poor. It couldn't be better timed. And all of us can do that. You know, like Glenn Beck is an apostle for democratic capitalism, and you're going to get a better, bigger audience listening to the fact that you believe in global brotherhood, not in global profit. And that's the reason that you stand behind the free enterprise system. It's a look, it, there will be bad things that'll happen. I got it. But there's going to be good things that happen too. And let's focus on all the good things that we can make happen. So, how do we, how do we make the impact? How do you have the conversations? Because, quite honestly, um, I feel when I go to Silicon Valley and I know what Silicon Valley is, okay? Right. You're there a lot, and you talk about you're very sophisticated in the way you talk about technology. So uh, uh, I I go there, and I feel in some ways that I am in a place that is more America than America, hmm. because there are a group of young people who are like, "Hey, I have an idea," and they just do it, right. and it changes the world. It is truly free market um and and the ideas are so exciting and they're so big i mean they're talking about changing the world it's it's dynamic where are those people on our side where are the people we are good at articulating i mean i i kind of came to a place arthur i i if i could do my whole career over again yeah what would you do you (laughs) I would be I would be like you. You would start by playing the French horn and not making your <laughs> no. rent. <laughs> yeah. No, getting uh, kicked out of college. Is that the part you mean? Uh, but I, I, you know, I was the what third or fourth most admired man the year I went to Fox from CNN. You know that stupid yeah. a, a people. Yeah, I was tied with the Pope and Nelson Mandela. Okay, that's crazy. That's, that's, that's crazy. I love America. Right. <laughs> I don't know. If this is a commercial for America here. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, great. Yeah. You know? uh, so. Uh, but I'm once sure I, went, I voted for you, by the way. Yeah, so, <laughs> so when I went to when I went to Fox, saying the same thing, it all changed. Yeah, and I became this political figure. Politics is at the back end of the dog, uh, and not the front end. And uh, you are pigeonholed into something that is is ugly and grotesque. And I kind of came just recently to. To the feeling that we, you know, we all have we all have our own gifts and we all have our own positions, and I've not liked mine. Hmm. Mine has been warn people, and right. I hate that. Right. I grew up in an alcoholic family. Right. I don't like conflict. I mean, look at me. I mean, yesterday they were dragging me through the mud saying that I said that you know Muslims attack Notre Dame, <laughs> which is the exact opposite of what I said. You know, I'm always in the center of conflict, and I hate it. But my role is to warn people on what's coming. Right. Your role is to help us out and say, here's the path forward. So what is it that we say to our friends? What is it that we have to change 
you know, point to the 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 bright horizons right. and say, look at this person. Look at what's happening right. here. Look what's happening here. Where Where's our course? Our course is self-improvement, the American religion that you are the master of yourself. And that's what we're on the cusp of reviving. And this happens a couple of times a century in the United States. And it hasn't happened for a while. We're really, really ripe for it. And, and look, you and I are in the same business because you are a self-improvement guy. You are a man of the revolution of the individual heart. After, you know, the end of the 19th century, when, you know, America was beaten down, civil war, tons of poverty, financial crises, polarization, populism, kind of like now, except worse in most ways, because we were a much poorer country. That's when the self-improvement revolution really swept across this country. And what that was, was entrepreneurship of each person, the startup of each life. And that's what we really need to bring a culture back of. So, you know, you, if you want people to stop, to, you want young people on campuses to stop talking about socialism, you have to help them understand that they are the master of their feelings and they are the master of their fate, which is empowering. It's encouraging. It's aspirational. And, it, and here's the best part. It's true. It's in why America. it's why Jordan Peterson is so popular. That's why Jordan Peterson is popular. By the way, that you think that you're just Ezekiel. You know, you're you're a prophet. It's like, you know, the end is near. That's not true. You know, you're an encouraging person. You know, when I watch you and I realize you've been watching for years and years, CNN, Fox. And and since you've been on your own in this incredible entrepreneurial venture, you're an aspirational person because you believe in the goodness of this country. And you believe that everybody listening to us, everybody who's on the other side of these mics, they're they're true entrepreneurs with their own lives too. The, the true enterprise of life in America is each person listening to us. And when we can get back that culture, then then we're off to the races. And that's what I want to start. And I think we're a man. I think we're on the edge of it. I've written this. I wrote this book called The Pursuit. I mean, sorry, the movie's The Pursuit. I wrote Love Your Enemies, which came out one month ago. Love your enemies, Matthew five forty four. It's how you can be an entrepreneur by loving your enemies. It went on the bestseller list. You know, that's that's very encouraging to me because people are hungry for it. And so the people are listening to us. Okay, what are you going to do? What's your opportunity? Somebody's going to treat you with contempt, with nastiness. Your opportunity is to treat people with love. Okay, stand by. We'll get get into that in specifics here in just a second. First, let me tell you about Goldline. Ronald Reagan said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in their bloodstream, and it has to be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. And this is our time. This is our time. We are going to choose, and we're going to have to fight for our freedom. Uh, Have you prepared to financially be stable? I've talked to you about gold for a very long time because we do, as Arthur was saying, we do go through these periods where, you know, it's extreme bust. I think one of those periods is coming. I I mean, no, it is. It it always comes. It always comes. When it comes, somebody has to have something of value to restart. Be that person. Find out if gold or silver is right for you. It's not right for everybody. It sure is for my family. Uh, I I think it's right for you. Uh, I don't buy it as an investment. I buy it as an insurance policy against insanity. Goldline, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Here with Arthur Brooks, the movie is The Pursuit. It's out 
everywhere on uh, May 7th. May right? 6th. May 6th. Okay. May 6th. So let me go to Love Your Enemies for a second. Yeah. And this is something I think the audience struggles with. I yeah. sometimes struggle. I think everybody does. That's the name of the new book, but it's basically the philosophy of life. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, you make a point in the movie and the book uh, of saying, don't, don't treat your opponents as evil. Right. Right. Which I think we all kind of understand. Um, however, there is a line there, right? We, right. I can all recognize if Adam Hitler were running for president right now, <laughs> that might not be a productive conversation. Um, and, you know, you talk so eloquently about lifting two billion people out of poverty, but we have, uh, you know, several candidates that are, are talking about trying to rip down many parts of what has made that occur globally. And when you're talking about people and, and, and being able to lift them out of po- poverty, I mean, how do you find the line? Because there is a line. And, you know, if we're talking about billions of people being able to live that otherwise might not have, I mean, how far is a Bernie Sanders from that line? I mean, he may be a good person. Um, I mean, I think a lot of times he plays with the truth a little bit too much for, for that particular description at times. Yeah. But weird, I mean, weird thing for a presidential it, candidate. Yeah, I know. Right? I know. Yeah. It's totally yeah. uh, unique to him. Um, but I mean, there is that line. And I feel like a lot of the people in the audience who want to be able to have productive conversations with people they don't dis- they don't agree with see people like Bernie Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez and people that are out there advocating for things that will actually really hurt people and 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 can we not stand up and say that that's that's wrong right so let's get a couple of things clear i i completely disagree with almost everything that bernie sanders talks about but he's not stalin Hmm. he he's we're so far away from these i mean this is we have to be we should be incredibly grateful in this country you know when we there's no knock in the night there's no jackbooted thug we disagree with each other and sometimes it gets ugly i mean especially if you're on the front lines like you guys it gets ugly every 20 seconds on twitter (laughs) it's a it's a big Mm -hmm. mess it's a it's a ghetto out there for it's a dangerous one at that for ideologically but you know when i talk to members of congress and i I get to talk to go on retreats with members of congress and, and one of the things i'll often ask is how many of you guys are grateful we don't live in a one-party state it's every hand and i say you just told me you're grateful for the other party you know the, the truth of the matter is if you want to have a competition of ideas which we must have because competition brings excellence in sports and in politics and in certainly in in, in economics and, and in the world of ideas if you want to com- that's what silicon valley is getting right is a competition of ideas if we want a competition of ideas ideologically we need the other side competitively i don't want bernie sanders or, or alexandria ocasio-cortez's ideology for this country but i have to recognize that these are not people that that are that are the, the, of the same magnitude these are not evil people these are simply people with whom i disagree now who do i want to convince and here's where it gets really interesting right i want to convince the persuadables i want to convince all those people out there they're kind of like yeah give me your best shot how am i going to convince them by saying that bernie sanders is evil that saying that bernie (laughs) sanders is deviant by saying hateful disrespectful things about alexandria ocasio-cortez no 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 no. i'm not going to get any converts look nobody is persuading anybody in america today my job is to persuade and be persuadable to live in an environment where I can make my best arguments and have the joy of being humble when somebody makes a good argument of taking it. And I can't do that if I say Bernie Sanders is a Stalinist. Can't happen. So um, I just did an interview with uh, Peter Bogosian. Bogosian. Um, He's the guy who, uh, along with two other uh, scientists, scholars, professors, did the white papers that, you know, said, you know, male uh rape culture in dog parks yeah. and, and the fake they, paper the fake yeah. papers yeah. okay 
really they're lefties they're real yeah. lefties and but i said alarmed about what's going on in academic very alarmed research right uh and so i sat down with them and and you know we were open uh, about it and they said you know a lot of people on our side do not want us sitting with you and uh but they they did and we talked about the difference being you talk to people who are honest brokers you talk to people and 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 we were we we started they're atheists both of right. them were atheists and uh i'm clearly not and i said let's talk about first cause are you an atheist or are you an agnostic because an atheist knows right. i just know okay an agnostic said mm, i don't think so but you know and really that's where we all should be in the end you know what we got to was if i could provide evidence that there is a God, scientific evidence, there is right. a God. Would you change? Yes, was the answer. That's the difference. If you could scientifically prove, and I don't think it'll ever be scientifically proven either way, but if you could scientifically prove something, will you change your opinion? The answer should be yes. Yeah. But too many of us are, are not willing to change our opinion. Right. You know, we're locked down. And part of the reason is because it's become an it's, article of faith in politics that if you show any weakness, that means you lose. Mm -hmm. That's not right for most Americans. And the interesting thing is, you know, what we mentioned before, every single person listening to us right now loves somebody with whom they disagree politically. Yes. If you love somebody with whom you disagree politically, you should simply reject it when somebody you don't know on television or in politics or on campus says that that person's an idiot. It's not right to say that your sister-in-law is an idiot. She's not an idiot. She thinks thinks about things differently than you do. This also, when you come to terms with the fact that it's not right for people to criticize your loved ones or, 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 or anybody to say that they're deviant because they disagree, that gives you the intense pleasure of maybe being persuadable. I think that we can change American culture this way, but it has to start with personal revolution. It has to start by saying, just because I think something doesn't make it right. If I find evidence to the contrary, if I find evidence that something is actually better for others, is better for my objectives, I'm going to look into it. Look, mm -hmm. you've changed your ideology over mm -hmm. the years, Glenn. I mean, mm -hmm. you've changed the way that you think. I've seen the evolution as yeah. you as a public figure. Why? Because the pleasure that comes from humility is indescribable. It is. Being persuasive is kind of scratches your pride. Yeah. Arthur, thank you so much. Thank you, Glenn. Thank I you, appreciate Steve. it. Thank what you. a joy to be with you. Thank you. Arthur Brooks, uh, producer of the movie that's coming out May 1st, The Pursuit, also best-selling author of Love Your Enemies, available right now. You're listening to Glenn Beck. You know, uh, I'm one of these guys that uh, downs the energy drinks approximately 25, 30 times a day. It's healthy. Don't worry about it. Um, and I actually had this big habit with the energy drinks for a long time. Uh, and it was because I had to deal with boring Glenn Beck meetings in the afternoon. It was uh, Wait a minor. What? <laughs> I mean, that's my life. Again. I mean, he's kind of entertaining on radio, but in meetings, ugh. Anyway, that's why uh, I, I went to Brickhouse Nutrition. They're this company, a uh, great company. They make all sorts of uh, different things uh, for you. Like we could talked about Field of Greens before. Uh, that actually, you actually get the vitamins and minerals you're supposed to be getting. Uh, Dawn to Dusk is another thing they have, and I, I, I love it. Uh, it's a energy supplement. It's, uh, it lasts for like 10 hours. You don't have to do the energy drink thing anymore. You don't have to do the coffee thing anymore. It increases your energy, and it increases your focus when Glenn's blabbing on for the third hour of whatever given meeting you're in. Uh, <laughs> One of the one of our sales guys in Vegas, he swears by it because uh, I know he does uh, these day trips to Dallas and back. He's on. He loves it. 
you got to try this. BrickhouseGlenn.com is a place to go. You're going to get 15% off your first order with the offer code G-L-E-N-N. Call them 833-RING-B-H-N. 833-RING-B-H-N. Donna Dusk, 100% satisfaction guaranteed. By the way, you want the ultimate with uh, Arthur Brooks. We sat down for a full podcast together. You can find it at blazetv.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So Arthur, I think, is a very aspirational guy, and, um, and I love him. And I, I love what he's done with the American Enterprise Institute. I, I love, 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 love his new movie. I think he'll make a big impact. I think he'll make a huge impact at Harvard as well. I think he is... Um, well, let me put it this way. I hope he's right that we're a million miles away from Stalin, but we are walking towards Stalin uh, and some are running towards Stalin. Yeah. I mean, we know Stalin's evil. We know that that philosophy is is evil. And nobody is um, talking about rounding anybody up. No, but, but we are talking about silencing people. Again, if 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 you don't want to get to a destination, it's best not to go down the road that leads to it. Yes. So if you're only taking a short drive down the road of socialism, it's scary because, I mean, the closer you get to those things you're increasing government power which mm-hmm. allows the government to overwhelm mm-hmm. all of the positives mm-hmm. it is difficult and it's 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 a tough line to, that's why i asked him that question it's a tough line to draw because there are times where you know like the the great that has come out of the free market the people who oppose it and oftentimes oppose it while i believe willingly lying about it um it, i mean it's hard it might be the right thing to do, but it's a hard thing to do to not just see that as people. You know, it's it's, well, it's an activity that is against human achievement, human uh, and prosperity. It's, and it's and many times it's completely dishonest. It's completely yes. dishonest. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. It was very, very hard for me to hold my temper yesterday uh, after I saw what Newsweek and others did uh, to my words on the uh, program the news and why it matters as notre dame was burning down as it was burning down we were receiving tweets that said glenn you predicted this Uh, because in 2015 i had said if you want to see places like notre dame you got to go because you're going to go to paris and maybe in the next 15 years and that thing will be burnt to the ground it'll be gone well, I was talking about a threat from Islamic terrorism at the time in 2015. Since then, 2016, there was a threat. Four people were arrested trying to destroy uh, uh, Notre Dame. In that same year, ISIS came out and said that it was their number one target in Europe. And then the next year, they, they arrested four people that had a car bomb headed towards Notre Dame. So... While this is happening on screen, we're getting emails from people. People on my staff are coming in going, Glenn, this is exactly what you talked about. And I said off the air, no, 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 we don't know. You also said that on the air, by the way. Right. I know. But I said it off the air first. Then I get on the air. Now, I want you to listen carefully. And Stu, do me a favor. Mm -hmm. Write down the key things that you hear me say. Because I'm going to show you how the media took it. And what the media, Washington Post, everybody else, what they did to this, I think, very logical, reasonable conversation. Listen. President Macron has just come out and said it looks like we may not be able to save it. 
Uh, just watch the video here, just a little bit of this. That's the spire. This is their 9-11. Look at the spire fall. That's the spire of Notre Dame. Look at how hot that fire is. Look at the flames, how high those flames are. That is not close to going out at this point. No. No. Um, We don't know what caused it yet. We know that there was a mass uh, renovation that was going on. Uh, But that is a pretty remarkable... I mean, this is a... This is a world landmark, uh, and um, and probably next to the Eiffel Tower, the most iconic building in all of France, and more important than the Eiffel Tower. This is the site of the American Revolution. I mean, the uh, French Revolution. This is the site of Victor Hugo. I mean, this is so wildly important to uh, France as an image. Um, also, like really you know, serious archives are held there. I mean, they're going to lose all sorts of you know art and archives that they can. You're never going to be able to recreate. I mean, the, the, just the just the the rose um, stained glass window is irreplaceable. Um, if this was arson, uh, this is going to be bad. If this was arson of any foreign uh, kind of um, in any foreign entity, any anybody with a grudge, um, I think if if and this is a huge if, it might have just been started by a cigarette. We don't know, but um, if this was starting started by Islamist, I don't think you'll find out about it. Um, because I think it would set the entire country on fire. They've had yeah. killings. They've had mass shootings. They've had people running people down in the streets. The tension is very high. You take away this, be like us burning what our White House. I mean, what what is what is iconic like this? World uh, Trade Centers. <laughs> yeah, like the World yeah. Trade Center. This is their World Trade Center moment. Um, and if this was done by terrorist. Uh, I, I think that uh, they will keep it quiet because I just don't think Macron and France wants that internal fight. Um, If this was done by somebody who was disgruntled with the government, etc., like the Yellow Vests, you know, they did say this weekend that the police can put bullets in their guns and they can shoot to kill the Yellow Vests. They said that this weekend. Uh, so maybe it's that I don't know, but this is a this is a really big deal. Uh, the world has lost a major, major piece of history today. Okay, what did you take from that, Stu? What did I say? Can you sum that up? Sure. Uh, you mm-hmm. said it was there nine eleven. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think obviously iconic buildings falling was what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny because the way the spire fell, what it reminded me of in that moment was the Saddam Hussein statue falling. Mm. And at no point did I think there was an uh, an invading force that was trying to liberate Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, that's just not what I thought. So, I mean, it, it, you yeah, know, I thought with it, the smoke and the way it yeah, collapsed and it make, not, not just the way it collapsed. Being in a huge, iconic building. Yeah. It, this is, you know, our image of financial impenetrable stability was taken down mm-hmm. because it's Wall Street. It's New York. Yep. It's these gigantic immovable towers okay 
It didn't have the importance. Those were buildings. It didn't have the importance of Notre Dame, but it had the, in some ways, Wall Street has the soul of the capitalist nation. Yeah, and that's why and they targeted it. That's why they targeted mm-hmm. it. So the same thing, when I'm saying this, this, I, I keep saying it's the heart of France. You know, mm-hmm. it's an iconic building. It's more important than the Eiffel Tower to the French. Mm-hmm. That strikes to their soul of who they are. You don't just wipe that off the map. And so what I was saying with 9-11, it's their 9-11. They have been just sucker punched in the gut. Now, remember, our 9-11, we didn't know who did it. We nope, didn't know who did it. We had no idea. We had absolutely no idea who did this to us. On 9-11, we were freaked out. On 9-12, which was there yesterday, okay, what did they do? They started raising money. They started coming together. France has never been more united. That's their 9-12. Now, if they find out that somebody did this, they will respond as we did. But it looks like, and I said, you know, it's amazing. Did you catch? If it's arson, it's bad. If it's arson from a foreign entity, it's worse. If it's arson from terror, mm-hmm. even worse. We know it could be, a, they say now it could be a cigarette. So if it's a cigarette, but a huge if is if it's Islamic terrorists, you won't hear about it. Yeah, I mean, that's all the stuff that I wrote down, basically. I mean, the fact that the first thing that you mentioned as a possible cause was a mass renovation, period. That was the first thing you talked about, mm-hmm. number one. And that was about where we were on the reporting. We didn't know what the co- co- uh, case was at that point. Um, and in addition to that, uh, they the one thing that was suggested as a possibility was the mass renovation. Now, of course, if you had come out, let's just say you had come out and said, Hey guys, you know what happened was um, I I believe this was Islamists. This is they they did this. This is this is them. You would have been wrong, okay, mm-hmm. in this particular case. However, as you point out, they have done this. They have attacked this exact building multiple times in the past couple they of years. They said it was the number one target yeah. of ISIS in Europe. So it would not have been insane no. to think that was true. Though you didn't think of it as the number one possibility. You said it was mass renovation was the number one possibility. You said it could have been a cigarette. You could have said uh, it could have been the yellow vests, um, which is, you know, again... None of that ever gets mentioned in any of the tweets about no, it. No, of course not. Because there's a line there. There's there's a line about when you're doing a show like this and you're you know we're talking off the top of our heads for four hours a day. There's a there's two lines. There's one where you can actually say something wrong. Mm-hmm. You can legitimately say something that you screwed up mm-hmm. and you're going to get a beating for it. And you understand that. Mm-hmm. Some, it's happened with you. You said things where you're like, ah, I wish I said that another way. And you take the beating and you're like, uh, this is what I meant. But, you know, you know, you're on the wrong side of it or you can understand how people I don't take a word way. of that back. I think all no. of that was very clear. The other standard, which is the standard applied on social media and by you know left wing uh, organizations that are you know, whose sad lives are filled with listening to your programs over and over again to try to find something they can use against you is is different it's it's can did we say something that someone can act as if they believe was bad can they act as if they believe what you meant was terrible like i know you know doing the show with you you said um uh you talked about uh i i think if it's islamic extremists you might not even find out about it because now, they why did I say that? Right, exactly. The, the reason you said that, and you explained it, of course, mm-hmm. was that you, there's so much internal strife there right now that if something came out about that, 
it could cause a real inflammation of the whole society. A lot of it against Muslims, by the way. Right. And did I attach a good thing or a bad thing to that? How do you not finding out? Did I say that was good that you wouldn't find out or bad that you would find out that you wouldn't find out? You were kind of saying it was good. Yeah. (laughs) I was saying it will cause massive problems. Right. And I don't think anybody in France wants that. And I don't want that. That could be that could be the catalyst that sets it on fire. So before Newsweek and everybody, I was trending nationally yesterday. (laughs) Okay, with lies, absolute lies. Before that, I a had Jason on our chief researcher who I had put up and said, stay up all night. I want you to find out everything you can look for the conspiracy theory so we can debunk them right away. Find out mm-hmm. what you can. And so you we talked about it on the air. We started the show with that. Then yesterday I said, this may be a blessing because it takes that iconic thing away, which would absolutely start a religious war. It would absolutely start it if this was ISIS. And it takes that off of the plate so it can't be used. I think how 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 well well, instead what they say is when you say, uh, well, you might not find out about it. What they again, I don't they don't believe this, but what they're trying to make their I was going to say Arthur Brooks is in my head, so I'm not going to say dumb people who visit their websites. But the people who visit their websites, what they're trying to make them believe is that what you're saying is, if you hear its construction, they're lying, which is not at all what you were saying. No, nope. you did not say that at all. You never said that publicly. You never said nope. that privately. That is not what you were saying. No, nope. you were saying uh, something completely different, which you just explained. Um, but again, the the goal of these organizations is not to find an example of you saying something wrong. It's something that they uh, it's something that they can plausibly act like they believe was wrong they can they can go on they can say they they do this all the time you take a statement and you act as if well that is their entire viewpoint on this and i can make them look dumb if i tweet this and act like i don't think they know anything else about the topic right that's a terrible instinct that i think it's drawn out of social media and click farms and uh, clickbait farms but i mean it is these organizations are out there specifically to do this and you know as arthur pointed out some of that is a blessing. Like, you know, we could easily just be ignored for every everything that we say. The fact that these people are up all night obsessing over you and listening to every word that you say so, is, you know, generally speaking, at least they're, you know, people care. Which So is here's, good. I guess, here's they're the, making an impact. Here's the thing. I had an employee who's a good friend and I love him and he's worked here now for six months and he is just great. He came to me yesterday and said, hey, I have to talk to you about this. Uh, I really strongly disagree because he read it in The Hill and Politico and he believed them over the guy who he I passed his desk twice yesterday. Well, it wasn't over you. He had not heard your side of it, uh, but he, you know, right, he right, assumed right. they yeah. were reporting he it. He just accurately. assumed they were reporting it. Right. So instead of coming to me and saying, Glenn, this doesn't sound like you. Did you really say this? Instead, he believed the media. He works here. That's the problem. If if you are if you were in a place to where you'll believe the media who we all are supposedly to distrust, if you believe them over people who you know, there's a problem. How does how does anyone stand a chance? How does anyone stand a chance? Don't buy in 
to the bull crap. Relief Factor uh, got a, a, a note in from Greg in Hawaii. He said, Glenn, my, my left knee started swelling last year, making climbing stairs and walking distances difficult. At the same time, my back, my hips, my shoulders were aching. I figured it was worth trying Relief Factor. Within three days, I was seeing a difference. Relief Factor is helping me with almost all my aches and pains. It should. It's 100% natural, um, and it, is, um, uh, it reduces inflammation. It was created by doctors to do just that. Concentrate on the inflammation in the body, which causes all kinds of problems and most of our pain. 70% of the people who order the three-week quick start go on to order more. So join me and get your life back with Relief Factor. Try their three-week quick start for nineteen. If you're in pain, you don't have anything to lose. If you want a drug-free and natural way to ease your pain and get your life back, go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. I'm uh, I'm really excited about tonight's TV show at 5 o'clock, only on Blaze TV. First ever appearance of the one, the only, the legendary Tim Tebow. Uh, tonight on the Glenn Beck program. So you're gonna, this is going to be a this is a great episode you don't want to miss. You can find it at blazetv.com, blazetv.com slash Beck. Uh, just give us a trial. Put in the promo code Beck and you will save 10 bucks off your first year. It's blazetv.com slash Beck. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. We haven't done this in a while, but I have so many stories that are piling up that we just have to get to uh, that I think we're going to do. Choose your news. I'll give three headlines and Stu will be able to choose which headline we go to, which story we go to. Choose your news. There are three tremendous stories. One, his parents destroyed his porn collection, so he got upset and has sued. Wait to hear this story. Dog owners are much happier than cat owners. Absolutely true. And Trump issues second veto of his presidency. Choose your news. We'll have Stu choose the news in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I want to talk to you a little bit about filter by. Great thing working with Stu. He's as lazy as I am. Absolutely. We are, I believe, the laziest duo in America. We try to be. We try to live up to those high expectations. I mean, when you really think about our job, think about it. Who's the dumb one, huh? Huh? Mm. Really? You or us? We're the ones that just drive into work. We sit in a chair and then we just talk. I mean, is that the laziest thing you can do? I mean, I would like to make it easier. I mean, it's a three-hour show. Can we get it down to 15 minutes? I'd like to get it down you to know? about a minute and a half. Okay. And I think it would be a great minute and a half. <laughs> oh, no, we would smoke. <laughs> we would smoke. <laughs> it would be so good. So good. Then sometimes we'll give you three minutes. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we're lazy, and uh, we're kind of proud of that. And if you're lazy, too, you know, you can go ahead and run to Home Depot if you want on your Saturday. Me, I'd rather sleep in than go... Uh, you gotta run to Home Depot. Don't forget you gotta change the filter. Then you get oh, please. It's my day to sleep in. Yeah, send the thing to my house. If you want me to put in an air filter, send it to my house. That is a, I would say, a requirement. And by the way, I'm too lazy to order it. Uh, so uh, as well. Oh, oh, Andrew Heaton, come on over, sit here, man of shame. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Uh, all right. So anyway, filter by. They'll deliver it to your house. They'll deliver it to your house. That's the best thing. And you save money. Never go to Home Depot. Sleep in on Saturdays. Embrace your laziness. Filter, B-U-Y.com. Change the filter when you're supposed to with the right filter without doing any of the work. Filterby.com. That's filter, B-U-Y.com. <laughs> I was going to do Choose Your News, but uh, Andrew Heaton. Uh, just walked in, uh, the host of the podcast. Something's off with Andrew Heaton, and something is very off with Andrew Heaton. I don't know how much longer his show is going to last. Maybe maybe today might be the last episode. Not sure. <laughs> well, looking forward to having Arthur Brooks on then. <laughs> how you doing? Good. How are you? Good morning. Oh, yeah. I'm doing good. You brought in... Yeah. Um, I brought in donuts. I, I had there, I had something of an awkward day yesterday. Yeah. And thought, <laughs> You're very sweaty right now, too. <laughs> I'm very sweaty right now. Yeah. That, well, that might just be the, the amount of... Uh, yeah, I'm just... I'm sweaty. That's yeah. a lot of layers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am wearing a lot of layers, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's 65 degrees in here. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, you know, yesterday we did the, the panel show, The News and Why It Matters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had uh, kind of jumped to some conclusions uh, on uh, <laughs> some of your positions, Glenn. Yeah. And... Um, Fortunately, brought it up before the show, <laughs> before I jumped into my monologue. <laughs> right. Give me your monologue. Give me the no. monologue you were going to do. I, I, won't, I won't do that. Uh, <laughs> Why not? I, well, for, I, look, I didn't look you down. know that I am not angry with you. Yeah. You know that this is all, you know, yeah, yeah. this is showbiz joking yeah, yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the donuts so, were a good move. That was being a very said, good move. Thank mm-hmm. you. Well, so, so to, 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 um, to fill out what happened, uh-huh. um, the... Uh, I had read a headline that said that you were implying that Islamists burned down Notre Dame and mm-hmm. that uh, the French government was was suppressing that information and that that was their 9-11. And it was sort of a flashpoint between East and West. And I was going to come in and be like, you know, this is irresponsible and it's conspiracy <laughs> theorizing and it's uh, demonizing Muslims. And, and what did you imagine I would have said? Uh, I don't know. I wasn't really sure. <laughs> yeah. I, you I, know why? Because doesn't that seem a little out of character for me? It does. It does. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. I think, you know what, what I could have done is, I could have gone, hey, Glenn, <laughs> I read this interesting headline. What's right. your take on this? Right. And avoided a lot, a of, lot, a lot of, of issues yesterday. A lot yeah. of that. So why, and I'm not talking about you, because I think this happens all the time. All the time. If you read it, it is so. So what was it that made you go, this doesn't make any sense. That's not the Glenn I know. I'm going to go on the air and tear him apart. <laughs> what, what was it? What, why did that happen? I'm seriously looking for an answer because I think this happens to a lot of people. Um, you know, part of it is if, if I'd gone to like right-wing watch.com <laughs> slash Glenn slash what, yeah, whatever, right, then, right, then right. I would have dismissed it. Uh, but I, but the, the story I was looking at, it was a headline that I saw from The Hill. I did read the paper or the, mm. read the story. Mm. And I, I just kind of, I, I thought The Hill liked that they would have, you know, done a little bit more. They, they would have <laughs> packed it properly. They yeah. would have unpacked it properly. Yeah. Well, because yeah. I mean, it, and it wasn't just The Hill. It was lots of different, because I mean, you have this first organization that comes out and lies uh, about what you said. And then, dozens of other publications start reporting on the initial report without doing any homework i mean like you know it's one thing it's it's hard so you get a source in a news story you got to track them down maybe their their house just burned down you got to find them you got to find out where they are you got to check all these different things 
Glenn does a national radio and television show every day. So all the things that he says are always available, right? It's, it's relatively easy for a reporter reporting on a particular story to go do this. And reporters know how to contact my people. That's strange. Yeah. That's strange. It's not like some, I don't know, do we have a Ouija board? How can we <laughs> right. possibly get a statement from Glenn's, Glenn or Glenn's people? No one reaches out. But you're gonna, no you're, one reaches out. If you're going to, and, and, and I, you know, we've done enough shows with Andrew, and I know he would have not come on and trashed you over this. He no, would have he wanted have. to hear what you, yeah, what, yeah, yeah, what yeah. your explanation was I over know. it. But I mean, if you're a publication going out there and trashing Glenn over this, you have an absolute responsibility to make sure you understand what he said correctly. You've got to take or, a, or here's an idea. Correct it. Anybody seen a correction? No, I'm not seeing. No. Not seen a no correction. corrections. And that's Mm-mm. the thing, like, you're right, like, rightwingwatch.deathofbeck.net is not going to <laughs> right. ever correct it. But there are, you know, publications out there that should at least, they should protect whatever credibility they have to not just speak to a hard left-wing audience, sure. right? And this uh, is why there is no credibility. It's hard. You, I mean, it's hard when, it's, you know, we'll come on and we'll, sometimes there'll be something that the right is getting wrong, right? And we'll come on the air and say, look... You know, we've looked at this, and here's what we believe is right. I think the conservative side of this is actually made a mistake here. Here's source A, B, C on this. And they'll just hear the names. You know, it's the New York Times. It's the Hill. It's whatever it is. And so they've a lot of these places have burned their credibility with the right so consistently that they won't even listen when no. they actually have facts correct. You know, it's just like, oh, well, that's the New York Times. Of course, that's what they're saying. Well, you know, look, the New York Times makes lots of mistakes. And in their op-ed section, they're completely insane. But they also, I mean, a lot of the, the information that we bring to you about, uh, you know, Islamic extremism over the years has been because of reporting from the New York Times. Yeah. I mean, they've done a lot of good you things. You have too. to judge story to story, uh, um, writer by writer. Uh, and, and a way and, to summarize this, maybe do your own homework. Facts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do your that's own why homework. you always plead with people. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why the donuts today? I just wanted to kind of bring him in and, uh, you know, kick off a new Wednesday. <laughs> a little bit of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Now, okay. it's interesting. You didn't pick carrots for Glenn. I noticed uh, you picked baked goods and glazed sugar. What, what was the decision-making process there? Well, as, as you know, I'm secretly trying to murder Glenn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this will just this will be a okay. way to slowly do it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so we got that going for us. Uh, how's the show going? Good. I'm really yeah. enjoying it. Really? It's good. We've got Arthur Brooks on today, which I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or actually, I'm sorry. Arthur Brooks is going to be on tomorrow. We've got uh, uh, Deanna Easley on today. Um, Who's Deanna Easley? She, uh, so she's, uh, she's here in Dallas, uh-huh. and uh, um, we're going to talk about welfare and uh, have, a, have a chat on that. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about um, Arthur Brooks's book and capitalism, mm-hmm. um, which I'm excited about because um, the, the main thing on the show that I do is a temperamental thing of good and intelligent people can disagree on matters of substance. And I feel like Arthur Brooks is... That's exonified him, yeah. that in his mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to have him on. Uh, the show this week is brought to you by Meat Bullets. Mm. Meat Bullets? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the better sponsors, I think. Uh, really? It's, it's, uh, if you, it's high-velocity meat uh, that you can use <laughs> as a weapon. And uh, you know, if you, if you need Wait, to deliver you, meat... You're hurting people with this meat? I mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't advise you to do it, okay. but if, if you were going to, yes. But if you, like, were, if you shot it right into somebody's... Don't, don't do that. Oh, oh yeah. Well, like, like, let's say that they're anemic or uh, something like that, and you know they really need protein. I mean, like, if you shot them in the thigh, I think like in the state of Texas, you're probably okay. But I, I would, I would be very careful about doing it in general. So okay, are you deliver is it delivering, you know, uh, nutrition from a distance? Is that yeah. the basic concept yeah, 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 yeah. of meat bullets? So I, mean, it does, I, I don't understand. What's it's not, not a weapon. Not clear of war. about this guy. It's, it's not a, a weapon. Of war. It's not what, what a weapon of war. 
No, it's just oh. it's just high velocity meat. It is dangerous, <laughs> but it's high velocity meat. All right, good. Yeah. All right, thank you very much. There you go. Uh, that's <laughs> that's uh, something something something's off with uh, Andrew Heaton. Why did we name it that? I don't. I have no Andrew? idea. Hmm. No idea. Hmm. Coming up in uh, on the podcast today, you can find him wherever podcasts are found. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> get out now. Let me tell you about. Can I get one of those donuts. Yeah, here they look really freaking good. They do. Are those Krispy Kremes? Krispy Kremes, but they're not. No, they're not Krispy Kremes. Mm, they look like it. No, they're even better. Even, they're even better. Oh, they're even better. He went to the generic donut, donut store, didn't he? Generic donut enough. store. That's all right. They're donuts. All right. Um, oh my gosh. Let me tell you about Simply Safe. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, he didn't need to get a whole dozen. The other thing too is he didn't do anything to me, so I, I'm still getting donuts out of it. The guy who's advertising for meat bullets. Be careful what you eat. Good point. Simply Safe. Uh, as the country becomes more divided, more screams for socialism on the rise, people are securing their homes. Three million people now have Simply Safe in their home. Simply Safe, the fastest growing home security company in America, and they want you to fear less. There's so many things that you have to worry about. Man, don't worry about your security and your safety in your home. Simply Safe will protect your home 24/7 with no hidden fees and no contracts for $14.99 a month. That's it. It was started by a young guy who was just trying to help out his friends. They were all in college. They started having their apartments burgled and uh they all said, "You know, what are we going to do? We can't, you know, we can't sign a contract. We can't wire the walls." He said, "I'll try to come up with something." He did. He comes from a long line of inventors in his family. And he invented Simply Safe, and everybody loved it, and everybody started beating a path to his door going, hey, can I buy one of those? He's like, I think I might have a business here. And he does. Now it is revolutionizing this business because it is straightforward. You own the system. There's no contracts. There's no strings attached. There's nothing. It's fourteen ninety nine a month if you want it. If you don't want it, you want it one month, you don't want it the next month, that's great. It's simplysafebeck.com. Simplysafebeck.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Headline number one. His parents destroyed his porn collection. He got so upset, he sued. Headline number two, dog owners, much happier than cat owners. Uh, And headline number three, Trump issues second veto of his presidency. Hmm. Who's your news? Well, I mean, we're just speaking of Andrew's podcast. You can be certain that chewing the fat with Jeff Fisher is going to is going to cover in depth the porn story. The porn story is really (laughs) good, though. It is really really good. good. Uh, All right. And then. You have the veto, yeah, uh, and which is important, or the dog really owners. important. I mean, yeah. I, I, I am interested in the legal theory behind the porn case. So let's do that. Okay, the porn case. Right. Okay, we're having dessert first. Here we go. Uh, <clears throat> gentleman is suing his parents for destroying his <laughs> pornography collection. An Indiana man suing his parents in federal court for destroying his gargantuan collection of pornography. He says the value is $30,000. Wow. It was so large, it filled <laughs> over a dozen moving boxes. I was going to say, I think the porn industry at this point would disagree with this analysis. I think they're churning out. 
They're turning out a lot of material and not getting paid a lot for it anymore. Dad Sad wrote, days. Dad wrote, we, count, <laughs> we counted 12 moving boxes full of pornography plus two boxes of sex toys, as you wow. might call them. So this is this is guy's going old school. He's not on the internet. No, he's not going to any of the sites. He's just popping up the old uh, the old magazines. There is that what we're talking about? And like videotapes. Do we have a description of what this is? Uh, yeah. Uh, among the materials mm-hmm. were videos good. depicting uh, bestiality, okay. insta- incest, mm-hmm. rape, torture, and everyone's favorite urination. Mm. Now, my understanding of this particular matter. Uh, is that many of those things are not uh, legal to possess. Again, listen to Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. He'll explain all the details. Well, now, this is going to come as a surprise to everyone involved, uh, but this guy (laughs) was 40 years old and had to move back in with his parents. Mm. Well, when you spend tens of thousands of dollars on illegal porn, you're lucky that you're living with your parents and not behind bars. Well, he he was... (laughs) He was married for a while. Oh, and they're uh, still together happily no, ever after. Anniversary I, coming up. No, no idea what happened, but he no? had a divorce, and what? his wife got everything. He got the porn collection. Uh, don't know what happened, uh, but the uh, <laughs> the mom and dad uh, destroyed the entire pornography collection, and uh, and then got rid of all the sex toys. Uh, the the father uh, had written, said, we're going to destroy these things. Uh, he he didn't respond. They started to destroy them. Uh, uh, and dad wrote to him as they got deeper into the porn collection. I find your whole attitude toward women to be very disturbing. Women are not objects for you to pleasure yourself with. They are people created by God just as you were and should be treated with respect and dignity. Believe it or not, one reason I destroyed your porn was for your own mental and emotional health. I, could have, I would have done the same if I had found a kilo of crack cocaine. Someday, I hope you'll understand. And, he, and then he got sued. <laughs> Then they got sued. Now that does not that analysis does not cover the bestiality tapes. Did he cover that in individually? Because uh, I mean, pets are people too. Pets are people too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, the guy, the forty year old, said, "You can't just go around destroying people's stuff that you don't like or agree with." We live. Now this is this is coming from a guy who has bestiality and urination tapes. He said. Hello, we live in a civilized society. (laughs) If you have a problem with my belongings, you should have stated that, and I would have taken them elsewhere. Instead, you chose to keep quiet and behave vindictively. I hope destroying that porn felt really good. Was it worth losing your son? Now, I'd like to turn that question around. Yeah. (laughs) Was your porn worth probably your wife and your two parents uh yeah that's a that's a good way of uh, questioning and i would also uh, argue if you you say yes dad may have been right right no i think dad was right i think that's clear (laughs) i would also say just from a fundamental economic standpoint Mm -hmm. you just i I mean i don't think you need to spend thirty thousand dollars on porn anymore Right? Like, you could just probably go on the internet and get all this stuff times 100,000 
for zero dollars. What what's the fascination? Without the VHS, <laughs> you know, without the I mean, VHS, I, I know it's still blinking twelve. I know your Magnavox <laughs> is not going to work out that well. <laughs> right, uh, right. You may need to to get an Apple TV to get it on the Magnavox, right. but I think. I mean, I just don't think the economic value this of this is, is worth porn. This is classic hustler. <laughs> I, it could be. I will say that I wouldn't be completely stunned if he wins that case. Right. Like if I mean, I would think generally speaking, you know, when you're a kid, it's my house, my rules. Right. Like your possessions are are your parents possessions. But when you're 40 years old and you're living with someone like if, I, if, I, if I'm a roommate with someone and I bring in a bunch of boxes there and they just throw the stuff out without any notice they probably are in the wrong whether it's porn or not now it may open up some other legal issues for this, this young gentleman yeah, this poor mm. couple it's their son oh, and now this is all out there i mean you know one of the if you didn't you, you watch making a murder at all no season two has a uh, they go through they believe you know the, the defense's case in this is that one of the other family members was mm-hmm. actually responsible for the murder mm-hmm. so one of the things they go through is the computer of one of the one of the kids who uh, they find a search history and they go through it in explicit detail. Oh boy. The search history was not encouraging for this person's mm. uh, future prospects. Uh, and I mean really dark stuff like the stuff you're talking about. I mean, but every variation of just searching the internet for every creepy thing you can think of. And like you've just just, uh, just that being on television, how can that family ever be a family again right like and he you know you know spoiler alert it's not working very well even coming up with these things but, but who caused that him right mm. i mean it's his fault although he thought he was doing something in private and uh and now little does he know because in theory someone else murdered someone can i ask you something and now his search history is out there can i ask you something mm-hmm. yes do you leave your pornography collection mm-hmm. if you had one mm-hmm. at your mother's house no. you try to avoid right. that when possible i mean if mom would have found like i don't even know the sears catalog or something underneath your bed that would not be a good thing right when mom came in uh you don't leave your porn and sex toy collection <laughs> at your mom's house. How little respect do you have? Well, this for mom, particularly this 40 year old um, living at home because he got divorced, likely because of too much porn was not making the best decisions. Glenn, I hate to break this to you. I know it ruins so he your may whole not, theory here, but he may not understand women is what you're saying uh yeah maybe not understanding women humanity the internet lots of things he didn't understand apparently yeah storage it's storage units that are available for (laughs) $19.99 a month what is wrong with you dude just i mean take a step or two dude uh all right well we've got two more stories to cover trump and his veto and dog owners are happier and better you're listening to glenn than cat owners what much better Hmm. yes Cat owners are communists. Let me tell you about X Chair. <laughs> That's not that message not brought to you by X Chair, by the way. As I eat a donut. I don't know. Could be. I don't think there's no cat lover makes a chair like this. It's a good chair. It's a comfortable. It's a chair. great chair. I just don't think that the pet ownership uh, aspects of it are particularly vital. Oh, yeah. You like cats? You like cats? You let them jump up on your counter and just like ick. You like that? Something's deeply, deeply wrong. That this guy, is, that 40-year-old, his parents are coming over to your house to check things out. Something's wrong. <laughs> anyway, 
X chair. X chair. Great chair. Uh, it's more than an office chair. It is really, truly as comfortable as a recliner. You can get it now on sale for $100 off. Just go to xchairbeck.com. That's the letter X, chair, Beck.com, or you can call 844-4X-CHAIR. That's 1-844-4X-CHAIR. 30-day, no questions asked, guarantee, complete satisfaction, free shipping. You're going to love it. Plus, you'll get a free foot rest. The X model now on sale or $28 a month with 0% financing. At blazetv.com slash Glenn, you can watch the shows from the last week. We've got a couple exposés on Joe Biden. You've got The Cost of Free College and Tim Tebow on tonight's program. So you know it's a you know it's a, a, a you know it's a rough day when uh, you look at uh, each other and go I, I have no idea how to even ask that question of Google somebody should get like Mike Lee on the phone um, we're trying to we're trying to figure out Trump has issued the second veto of his presidency. And Congress does not have the votes to override him. And what this is, the bill would have invoked the war powers resolution to pull the U.S. assistance uh, to Saudi Arabia out of Yemen. Now, this is something that has been going on for years. They just Obama put put us in the middle of this war. I don't want to be in this war. Nobody. You remember when George Bush was like, you got to go and ask Congress for permission. So he did. And they voted for Iraq. That was something that I believe the president has to have the ability to say, I have to act and I have to act right now. Send them in. But then Congress has the ability after 30 days to say, you know what, dude, you haven't made your case. I'm turning this off. They have a right to do that. That is their constitutional power. I mean, really, you know, they I think constitutionally they should be voting for it from the very beginning. The War Powers Act expands the executive power to be able to have any time at all See, to I, be able to react. I think. Me personally, mm-hmm. I, I think 30 days is reasonable. That's different than what we're talking about, though. I completely agree with you. It's reasonable. Um, and, and I think it's isn't it 60? It's 60 days and then a 30 day withdrawal period. When Maybe comes, that's what it is. Uh, when but it they, comes to the War Powers Act, but the War Powers Act, it, the War's Power Resolution is not in the Constitution. That's right. just something they passed. Correct. Um, so and, I, and that's why there's been you know, fighting about it ever since, because it does, you know, it, it treads on some very tender ground because there's a conflict between both sides here. I mean, you know, the, the in theory. Congress is supposed to be able to declare war, and that's supposed to be the way it's gone. And we've gone many different directions of that so, over the years. But here is the problem. This this comes from everything we passed around the time of the Patriot Act. We passed special powers for Islamic terror. Okay? Mm-hmm. Which means you can fight any place on Earth. As long as it's terror, you can fight it. So it, let's just say, you know... Um, the you know people who believe in uh i don't know beto all of a sudden decide you know we're gonna throw really wimpy punches at people if the president wanted to declare that uh terror and if it was regarded as terror he would have the power to go scoop those people up so that's the the problem is when it's deemed terror, yeah, the president. Now that's an extreme case, and obviously it wouldn't happen. But uh, <laughs> but that's what is happening in Yemen. It's the war on terror, right? And so he's using that 
that that loophole. And Barack Obama did this. He's the one who started this. He used that loophole to get us roped in in Yemen, where we're providing support. Well, make the case. I personally think you can, but make the case. Yeah, and I, I don't understand why that's a big issue. Now, of course, we're well past what the War Powers Act even allows for. Correct. Uh, and they have now voted, but I mean, he has, of course, the right to veto that. That's part of our system as well. But that's why Congress, and I see, I don't trust anybody in Congress uh, because I think it's all, it's just, uh, you know, if Congress voted today and said, we're going to take away the funding, really, where were you when this was started? You didn't have those scruples before. And so I don't believe that there's an honest bone in anybody's body in Washington. Um, because the House, clearly against Donald Trump, they, I think, and this is why we have to get M- uh, Mike Lee on the phone, I believe that because the House of Representatives controls the purse strings, I believe the House can cut the funding off. Unless there's a loophole in with this new Patriot Act kind of But he'd still be able period. to, I don't think he'd, the, he, Trump would still be able to veto it. For example, they tried to defund Planned Parenthood, right? Not only did the defunding of Planned Parenthood have to go through the House and pass the House, then it went to the Senate where it failed. But if it had succeeded in the Senate, it would have gone to, uh, it would have gone to the president who could have vetoed it. Now, this president would not have vetoed that. So what um, good is the power of the purse strings? Well, it's still where everything originates. Um, you know, yeah. that doesn't mean you can just cut off funding for anything you don't like. Then any like we wouldn't a Republican Congress could cut off all funding for Obamacare. And we wouldn't have to worry about repealing it. Look, but here's 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 the way this was set up. And we've so lost this. Here's how this was set up. The people have to be listened to. This is we the people. And so they gave us a representative government, all those representatives. This is why, you know, California has, you know, I don't know, 400 and Texas has a thousand representatives, you know, and Delaware gets Joe Biden on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. And when he's not on the, an Amtrak. Right. Mm-hmm. When, they, when, they're, when they're in the House of Representatives, it is representative of the general population of each state. Mm-hmm. And they have the fastest uh, throw them out policy every two years. You can throw those guys out. Okay. That's where they put the power of the purse strings. So if somebody goes in there and they're like, you know what? We need 90% taxes. You know, in two years, if the American people are against it, they can throw them out. All right. Then you're supposed to have the balance of the Senate, which was two people selected by the state not by the voters, but by the state house. The governor in the state house was supposed to say, we're going to pick two people that are as main as possible, as Minnesotan as possible. And we're going to send those guys because they have to stand guard for the state. So the House of Representatives represents the people. The Senate represents the state. And the president represents the president and 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 just trying to ceo all of this stuff together so you had to have the the president have the final say and he's only supposed to veto if it is unconstitutional Mm -hmm. or he believes it's unconstitutional if he doesn't like it it doesn't matter 
The veto is for unconstitutional things. And that's been dead for a long time. Long time. Mm -hmm. So we've completely screwed this system up. But what good is the power of the purse if, if you can't stop anything? Well, you can. You just have to go through the system of government that we have, I guess. You know, I mean, you have a, a situation. This happened with the whole emergency declaration argument, right? Like, it's like, well, Congress passes a law that says we want to give the president um, a chance to d- declare an emergency for a short period of time, but we would have a chance to override it with a veto, uh, essentially. You know, Congress, all they have to do is just pass a majority and it's over. Well, that went to the that went to the Supreme Court and was ruled unconstitutional. So that's why they needed to have the you know uh, the the override of the veto vote which is a much higher standard much more difficult to pull off to block the emergency declaration and they were not able to do it they were not able to come up with those votes the same thing here with, so with maybe the they don't have the they don't have the votes in either house to overturn the veto maybe i think this is just different for me because it's war it's war people are mm-hmm. being killed and if the president decides to go in i give the president i think the president needs to have the ability to go, guys, this just happened. DEFCON 1, go, mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Okay, he needs that Seems power. very reasonable. Right. In George Washington's time, maybe not. But you need it in today's world where a jet can be or a missile can be over our cities in 13 minutes. That's a, and I think that's an argument to, by the way, amend the Constitution for something like that. They would give a window. Um, but to just pass a bill and then, I mean, it's, it's seemingly by multiple presidents in a row here being yeah. ignored the idea that the constitution uh you know gives congress this uh declaration of war power that that, that is being ignored and then even the war powers act has been ignored by multiple presidents but in a row again if you look at george w bush he still took his power seriously he still had the power man those jets were over in afghanistan he you know he moved mm-hmm. when he had to But he also knew when you were dealing with something that was dicey, that the American people are split on, go to Congress. It's only good for you, I think. It's good for the country, right? I mean, you want people on record saying that you only want to go to war when you don't want that to be a partisan issue, Mm -hmm. right? You want that to be something that we're all behind, or at least the vast majority are. And you want to avoid it in most circumstances. And, you know, I understand that this is a a dicey situation over there. I mean, it is... They talk about it as the biggest human like rights situation in the world right now in Yemen. It's a disaster over there, uh, and it's a proxy war. Um, but we're involved in it, and if we're going to be involved in it, there's a good case to be involved in it if you want yeah, to. Yeah, there is. And people have made there's it, a good but case. It, it should be something that, that is approved by Congress. Um, you know, it shouldn't just be something that presidents can just start doing. And by the way, the president that did this was Barack Obama. Yeah. No, this is not Donald Trump. This is Barack Obama. I was against it under Barack Obama and Donald Trump. One of the things that he said, he was going to stop these endless wars and he was going to get us out of these foreign entanglements. And I, I wish he would take this uh, as one of those wars that need to be stopped or make the case, make the case. Because I know why we're in that proxy war. It is to stop Iran. And the, the, the Houthi rebels in Yemen are big problems to Saudi Arabia. So to balance the region, you want to keep the Houthi rebels at bay so Saudi Arabia doesn't collapse, which would give all the power to Iran. I get it. I don't want to be in that war. I don't want anything to do with it. But at least make the case and let the people decide. 
Norton has been an expert in cybersecurity for many, many years. They're ahead of the times, and they keep your data secure. This time, they have launched their own VPN technology. It's a virtual private network. This is truly the next big thing in privacy, and you need to get this protection for you and your family. When you connect to a public Wi-Fi, even if it is password protected, you are basically exposing your private information to anybody who wants it. That's why you need Norton Secure VPN. Easy to use, encrypts all your connections, even your public Wi-Fi, so the information that you send and receive is safe from cyber criminals who want to steal your private information. Not all VPNs are truly private. Uh, hello, Facebook. Norton Secure does not log your online activity and app usage. This is truly a private network. Get Norton Secure VPN. Enjoy the convenience of the connected world without worries about online privacy or security. Head to Norton.com slash VPN. Norton.com slash VPN. Protection now starts at $3.33 a month for the yearly subscription. It is Norton.com slash VPN. A very well-respected survey. It's been a barometer of American politics, culture, and behavior for more than four decades started to ask the critical question that they've never asked before. Cat or dog? In 2018, General Social Survey, for the very first time, included a battery of questions on pet ownership, finds that not only quantified the nation's pet population, nearly 6 in 10 households have at least one, but they made it possible to see how pet ownership overlaps with all sorts of factors of interest for social scientists, like happiness. For starters, there is little difference between pet owners and non-owners when it comes to happiness. Okay, so you own a pet, you don't own a pet, you're about equal Mm -hmm. in happiness. The two groups are indistinguishable indistinguishable on the likelihood of identifying as very happy, uh, a little over 30%, or not too happy in the mid-teens. But when you break the data down to pets, dogs, cats, or both, The divide emerges. Dog owners are about twice as likely as cat owners to say they're happy. Now, this is people owning uh, a dog or a cat. If they own both, it's almost as if they it it negates itself. Right. No effect. No effect. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dog people, in other words, according to the survey, are slightly happier than those without any pets. Those in the cat camp, on the other hand, are significantly less happy than the petless. Okay, so if you have a cat, you're miserable. You're miserable. And this is obvious. You're on the road to socialism. You own a cat. You're on on the road. You're at least a progressive. Why are you on the road to socialism? You may not even think so. You just are. You just are. You just are. Why are you on the road to socialism? Because Because you have no feelings. Cats have contempt. Okay, cats have contempt mm-hmm. for human beings. Is this in the study? Uh, it could be. No, I don't. I, maybe. Yeah. Uh, a 2016 study of dog and cat owners, on the other hand, yielded greater happiness rating for dog owners relative to cat people. It attributed the contrast, at least in part, to differences in personality. Dog owners tend to be more agreeable. Conservatives. 
conservatives are more agreeable. We're more agreeable. We're more likely. It says in the study, it does say this, that they are more likely to just go out and make friends. And, you know, they're just walking the dog and they're like, hey, and they start talking about things. Right. And they just are agreeable people. Was well, it more agreeable on issues of principle? They are more ex- <laughs> they're more extroverted and mm-hmm. less. And this is the, I'm me. This is from the survey. This is not me. And less neurotic than cat owners. <laughs> this is like your study. Did you it design is. this thing? 2015 study linked the presence of a cat in the home to fewer negative emotions, but no increase in positive ones. Um, <laughs> dog owners are, are more likely to engage in outdoor physical activity uh, than people who don't own dogs. Uh, cat lovers generally stay in their house. They should. If you, look, you can have one cat. You can you can marry somebody who has a cat. You have a cat. You can have two cats. I'll even give you three cats. Mm-hmm. Once you hit over three cats, unless you live on a farm, Department of Homeland Security is coming because you're going to turn into one of those crazy cat people. Anyway. Uh, gen- deep, and that's in the study, obviously. It's someplace, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Uh, dog owners are more likely to seek comfort for their pets uh, from their pets in times of stress, more likely to play with their pet and consider their pet a member of the family. This is what Ernest Hemingway said. Human beings, for one reason or another, hide their feelings, but a cat does not. Yeah. And human beings don't crap in a box in the laundry room either. Mm. And I think that's the, I think that's the real key. If you're, if you're crapping in a box by the laundry, uh, no, you're not staying in my house. You're listening to Glenn Beck.